Since time immemorial, human beings have stared up at the stars and asked the unanswerable questions. Why am I here? What is the nature of the cosmos? What is the meaning of life? Are we alone in the universe? Will DC ever make movies as well as Marvel? How exactly did Megatron shrink? Is a detailed backstory for your first level halfling wizard even How worth it? How muscular men with pageboy haircuts lived on Eternia if they couldn't figure out that Prince Adam was He-Man? Who is going to play Alabama for the championship this what year? What does God need with a starship? Prepare your ear holes for a podcast dedicated to the philosophical quandaries of pop culture. An audio thunderdome. Two nerdy friends enter. Only one shall be victorious. This is I'm Right, and he's Rob. Hi, and welcome to this podcast. Uh, every podcast we start, Rob, by... Uh by mentioning things that we are ashamed of, uh, omissions that we've done in the previous podcast, uh, and sometimes we just uh, confess things that have nothing to do with this podcast, like two weeks ago um, when you finally confessed to the murder of that uh, small child four years ago. Uh, last time we <laughs> talked, <laughs> last time we talked, it was about Batman '89 versus Superman '1978. Um, and, uh, I think we got most of it right. Did I screw anything up? Did I do anything wrong? No, you almost, you almost talked me out of my win was what? Well, yes, the biggest, I think the biggest thing here was clearly I, the mistake we made was I should have been arguing pro Superman 1978. You clearly should have been arguing. Yeah, because I was, I was defending yours and you were defending. We mixed that up completely. Who knew? Um, so that was probably the biggest omission uh, that we probably did last time around. Uh, and I think part of the reason was I was still reeling with the idea that that, that burlap sack that I buried with you uh, four years ago was, uh, was a child. And uh, I just I don't know if I'll ever get uh, that out of my head that uh, I was an accessory. And it wasn't it wasn't yours. It was just our some random kid. That you hit with your car late one night he when you were flippers, drinking. He had flippers, though, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's clearly a mutant baby, but... Uh, all right. Enough of this joke. Rob is not a murderer. That's Joe Scarborough. Uh, let's see a little topical <laughs> joke there for you. There we go. Uh, let's let's get on with uh, this this episode. Uh, my name is Monty Ike. Let me introduce you to the Speedy to my Hawkeye, the Raven to my Dr. Druid, the Acrobat to my scrawny kid from brooklyn uh he's my best friend rob bloom how are you that was i uh, yeah i didn't know we were going with that last one hi monty how are you i'm good i'm good i mean now that i know that the murder i just accused you is completely false now now i feel okay being in the same i was just upset how you got the dna out of me yeah (laughs) no well (laughs) old-fashioned way (laughs) Um, off my dress that's right (laughs) that's right (laughs) okay so uh rob what are we talking about today on this episode we are talking leadership we are talking nerdy leadership yes so of course we're talking about the boy scouts of america yes no we are talking about in comics who is the best team leader captain america Mm -hmm. of the avengers versus Nightwing of the Teen Titans and later just the Titans. Yeah. When they became the non-Teen Titans. 
Mm-hmm. The fully, the barely legal Titans. And, and I was trying to think of. Be able to uh, rent a car Titans. We were thinking of like, well, I shouldn't say we, I came up with the idea. Like I thought, who was the best leader in all of Marvel? And, mm-hmm. and I really kind of kept going back to Cap and Cyclops. That's absolutely true. Well, um, I mean, and, the, the former, I'm not sure about the latter. Well, but. there's no doubt that Cyclops is definitely in your top 10 list. So. Yeah, well, let me put it to you this book way. Leaders. Uh, Cyclops pre two thousand is definitely Fair. one and of I the best leaders been... in Marvel, and then they tried to make him interesting, and he's become shittier and shittier as a person. Yeah, and while he's becoming kind of interesting, I do think that they are losing that, some of is that in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like I mean, maybe this is just me. Cause I like my 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 stuff pure. I don't I don't know. That's a that's an entirely different podcast where we talk about is making someone an asshole making them more interesting. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Because um, yeah, you and I could argue a few characters that right. got dickish and maybe did or did not grow. Yeah. Um, Okay, so but we decided that we were going to go with Nightwing mm-hmm. versus Captain America. Yeah. Uh, do you want to have an opening argument here? Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about the man with the star-spangled plan, Captain America. All right. That's uh, Captain United States Army. My uh, foray into this tonight. My candidate for best leader in comic books is a man. Uh, first of all, from the Greatest Generation. Okay, uh, not only is he from the greatest generation, never produced a boomer, so that's even better. <laughs> I guess you win. We don't have to go any further. Don't go any further. Uh, but he he uh, he 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 learned from one of the the greatest crucibles of leadership that you can find, and that is the United States military in World War II. Now, you can argue that the United States military in peacetime sometimes promotes uh, non-effective leadership for whatever reasons. But in military, in the, in the military, in, in, in World War II, you often saw what are called Mustangs. These are enlisted men who are promoted into officerships purely based on their aptitude and their ability to lead. And with uh, Captain America, sure, there's some steroids that are involved here. Uh, but Captain America becomes a captain in the in the United States military, not just because of his abilities in his body, but also because of his abilities in his uh, personality. He's a good moral comp- a compass. He listens uh, to the people that are under him uh, and respects them m- above everything else. And the other thing too is he he demands a level of respect and dare I say professionalism and the people that are under him. And I think that makes him a fantastic leader to be moral, to be respectful of uh, your underlings. I I, know that that has a weird tone, but the men and women under your command, and then um, to have a a healthy amount of respect for humanity at at all. So that when you're facing up against people, you know, the uh, where battle should end. And I think that's just Mm -hmm. as, as, as good as having the moral compass to know, where uh, battles should start is knowing where they should end. So that's my opening thesis is everything that makes Steve Rogers great is not, does not have anything to do with his muscles or his shield or anything else. Yeah. You froze for just a second. It's fine. 
Did you just go oh for no reason? Okay. Because you froze. Oh, you froze. yeah. No, I, my my picture froze, but I'm still here. I was talking. It's okay. Uh, okay. Glad we aired that out for everyone. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, whatever ma- the thing that makes Steve Rogers uh, the best is not the muscles. It's not the shield. Uh, it's not the uniform. It's the person inside, and he's a fantastic leader. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So my opening argument, while uh, some things are very similar with Dick Grayson, some things are not. Uh, Dick Grayson was a much younger leader in mm-hmm. a different time. Uh, he was thrown in with a younger lot of kids that he didn't even realize he was going to lead. Um he was kind of trial by fire, started off in this, you know, if, if you want to continuity versus non-continuity gets all iffy and weird. But, you know, in the 60s, when he first took up leadership, it seemed like the natural role for him. Uh, all the other kids looked to him as just their moral compass. He is in many ways the moral uh heart and soul of the DC universe that you could argue almost sometimes more so than Superman. Uh, I, and I would definitely argue that Dick Grayson is a better leader than Superman and better than Batman. Um, I agree with that. He has been, he has been able to pull people of greater power than him. Just again, also like Captain America, but by earning their respect because they see that he is always willing to put himself in the, in harm's way along with his quote unquote soldiers. Um, he knows everybody's powers. He knows their faults. He outthinks people. He is also a tactician. Um, I will argue that he has a bigger heart than cap. But I do think that when it comes down to character, nobody's going to beat Cap on character, um, as in moral character. I, yeah. I hold on. I'm just putting this in my win column. Okay, character. Got it. Uh, uh, but the one thing that I think Nightwing definitely has is longevity of being in a leadership role from age, let's say, twelve, thirteen, when the Titans were formed, mm-hmm. when he was a kid, to basically being born to the role, growing up into the role, um, and and going forth with the Titans as an adult, and later, even for a small stint, was the leader of the Justice League. Um, he has kind of fulfilled all his role, and Justice League at the same level as, as the Avengers. So mm-hmm. I think at least in an opening way, that is why I think... Uh, Nightwing yep. is a stronger candidate to be the leader of this country. I see. Well, I want to remind you that while your your uh, candidate here certainly started off young at twelve, my uh, my person uh, started off as I believe a forty five or so old uh, when he was thawed out of the ice but has been consistently doing it now for the last uh, 50 some years. I mean, he's a very old person uh, and has been doing it at most of his middle age to adult life. 
Um, mm. I'm making a joke about him being frozen in the ice. That's all yeah. I'm doing. Yes, I, I gotcha. Uh, all right. Um, but but I, I, I agree. I agree. Your, your, yours definitely starts younger. Um, but I think the big difference that's in this story here is that um, he was he was taught like a lot of the things you talk about his tactician mind, <laughs> his understanding the strengths and stuff like that. That's exactly the what Batman taught him to do, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I think even though Batman's not a good leader per se, or doesn't like to be a leader of a team or something, you know, those of things. Batman again, is a leader, but yeah. I don't think he's a good leader. Yeah, oh. no, he's well because he's too controlling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a good puppet master. Is what probably very the good best way. Puppet master. I think you're exactly right uh, on that end. No, I think I think what it is is uh, uh, is Nightwing has all those abilities he's learned from Bruce. Uh, about being a puppet master without being a puppet master. He allows people to be there themselves. But all those qualities that Bruce probably instilled with him, know the type of person, know their weaknesses, know their strengths. Those are Mm -hmm. all things that Bruce probably taught him uh, as a way of making sure that Nightwing could easily uh, capture all of the Teen Titans if they ever went rogue, uh, which is a common Batman story trope, right? Um, Yeah. And has actually happened in the uh titans as well where the the one of the arguments i was going to this is kind of a segue to a good one of my arguments so i'm gonna jump in here but many times he's the most underestimated character in the dc universe especially with like they there have been many times similar to batman but where they've taken out the entire team and didn't bother with dick because they figured he's just a guy with no powers and every time that has been the whole reason that they are defeated because they underestimate what he brings to the table. It's it's not just his heart, heart. It's his mind. It's his ability to adapt. Um, it's why Batman has chosen him a few times to be his successor. We both know that I think in the long run, uh, Dick Grayson doesn't want to be Batman because he is a sunnier version of Batman. He is like the best of of multiple worlds he yes he was trained by the world's greatest detective and you know arguably the best superhero of all time but still has the heart of someone like superman yeah uh and to what i say to that is that my guy uh is a self-made man he's well except again except for the steroids uh, but that all comes from just his upbringing. He's uh, he. I what think made my, him was a hero was before the steroids. Right, we both agree upon right. that. But what I mean is, he knows what it's like to be a weakling, and I think that's always been the biggest strength of Captain America. He knows what it's like to be weak, to need protection, to be afraid, to to be vulnerable, and when given power. He knows exactly where to draw that line. But I, I really mm-hmm. do think the leadership that he has, again, comes with this idea of uh, when when Steve was a boy, uh, he knew that he needed, you needed friends, you needed help to get by when mm-hmm. he was growing up uh, and his mom got sick and all that stuff. I mean, you know, you, you see these lessons that have... Um, that that kind of percolate up. He also then goes through the crucible of war and he understands more than anything there um, the value people have. And I think that's where you get that tactitional part of you. 
like mm-hmm. uh, he you, it's it's that that tactically knowing this is a person that I can send and do this and this is a person that's not going to be able to handle that. So I think that's I think that's where that that self-made man of him. It is natural and innate. I think with both of these guys, there's a level of natural innate charisma that comes uh-huh. into both of them. Um, I want to say charismatically Dick would probably have the slight advantage because I think as a person outside of being a hero, I think Dick would win over people more. But also in battle, it's hard to argue that Cap isn't the rallying point. Right. I think the problem that I have in this is I have the inconsistency of presentation of personality. So there have been plenty of people over the years that have done Steve Rogers as a fuddy-duddy. Um, yeah. As somebody who doesn't... Um, How would you feel the movie version is? Do you feel that's pretty accurate? I think the Chris At Evans... Who- play, I think, in my opinion, Chris Evans plays it as somebody who's not a fuddy-duddy, who wants to be normal, but is... Still man at a time. It's the man at a time that you see most of the time. But the whole list of things to check out... You know what I mean? His list of in Winter Soldier of things, pop culture things that. he has That's, to check out. Yeah. Um, I think they in Endgame the whole that is America's ass that sort of thing, which I think is slightly out of. I think that's more of a movie line. I don't know. If yeah, Steve I would really agree with that because I don't know any person who would look at their own that go, ass. That's, Amer- and be yeah, like, that's America's yeah. ass. I think other than that's a movie thing, or maybe that's just Captain America realizing it's a good joke. Um, yeah. But um, but the 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 uh, joke in Avengers one when somebody makes a reference to Wizard of Oz, I believe, and he's like, I, I get I, that. I, I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, I that's think a great I think moment. there's a playfulness. I think all of uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe allows you to comic be book like wise. That. What is a good team situation? I know you can probably name quite a few individual, but can you think of any team situations where he definitely maybe not stands out? Because I, I know it's really hard to remember specific dialogue. I, so, I don't yeah. remember him being an Infinity Gauntlet tear. Like, he obviously is one of the last guys to stand up to Thanos, even though he knows he's got no chance. Right. No, I mean, I look back at some of those runs. Uh, you, you remember the the oral history of the new Avengers books. And you know what I mean? I think fraction was writing it. I want to say fraction was writing. Oh yeah. The, yeah. The books in which they were all about. talking yeah. heads. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of points in that. I was that Bendis. Play up, I believe that. Yeah. Oh, Bendis. I, you know, I almost said Bendis and then I said fraction. Um, I, I, I feel like there is, uh, some points in there where you, you see, um, you see the sort of a man who's got like a lot on his mind, but also is a little bit like uh, there's some playfulness there. I think in that time, though, in that, uh, you know, around that time, there's all this seriousness put about him. And I think, you know, from around his death, pre his death, pre, you know, after his death, uh, there's always been there's 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 been a little bit more of this concentration on Cap being and I, this isn't a fuddy duddy. This is just seeing the great, you know, uh, dealing. But I look back at, you know, some of the 80s comics that I was into, you know, when he was, you know, hanging out with Rick Jones, one of the like the nine people that hung out with Rick Jones, his work with Demolition Man, like all that stuff when he was Cap. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a little bit of freedom there. I mean, he had the I don't I can't remember what they were called, but like. 
one of the main ideas of the book was that Cap had all these like when he was nomad or right around no, that time. No, I mean like even as a so there was this time in his life when he traveled around the country in a van with the motorcycle. And back in New York, I I don't know if it was Rick Jones, it might have been somebody else, but there was like there was literally a hotline. And the idea was people in trouble would call the hotline. These guys would check it out to see if it's valid and then send Steve in to to investigate, like the A-Team, right? Like the A-Team. That's Exactly totally like the A-Team, very 80s. But those interactions with those t- mostly teenagers that were doing the hotline and doing that stuff is a lot of fun. His his interactions with with uh, with Falcon are always great. That's right. Yeah, and Falcon being like as absolutely not white World War Two as possible, um, showing you the kind of person the Cap is. I think those are some of those things that stand out. But, yeah, I, I, I'm unfortunately not well-versed enough to be able to go, okay, here's this time, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, here's one more category I was going to bring up. Okay. Um, creating teams. Um, I know at least a half a dozen times that Dick Grayson has had to either reform the Titans uh, because of poor, whatever dis- Poor book sales. Poor book sales, that too. But like, I has, I, I well, no, I, I do know that Cap has had to do that as well. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's yeah. not. I mean, he's form. he's had runs, and and again, I think that's poor book sales. Uh, he's had runs where he, the Avengers, go on without him, and he's just in his mm-hmm. own book because they Titans basically well. they wipe out, like they take everyone out of the Avengers, the Avenger Avengers, the core Avengers. They all get booted. And then you have years and years and years of the Avengers being a B-team book, just like, you know, um, Justice League being a B-team book for a while there, too. There was, like, this whole time, right? Um, yeah, while Dick was while Dick was the leader, in, uh, yeah. in fact. But. So, uh, you know, you look back at, like, the, the raft and the restarting of Avengers where it's, you know, the new Avengers starts because, you know, Captain America, yeah. Power Man... Wolverine and Spider-Man, Spider-Man are all on the floating shield prison all at the same time. And then after they stop this crazy jailbreak, Captain America's like, boy, I guess we need to start the Avengers again. And what I love about that, too, is he also says, you know, not long after Civil War and stuff, one of the great things is when Steve explains we're going to have two teams. One's going to be these, you know, Thor and Iron Man and me, and we're going to take global stuff out. Um, and Luke Cage, you're going to you're going to handle this other team that's based in New York and handles New York stuff. And do you have a dollar? Yeah, here's a dollar cap. OK, well, you just bought a Man- Avengers mansion for a dollar. Mm. You know what I mean? That whole scene. Yeah, that, that was cool. You know, so there's there's a lot of cool stuff in there. I, I will pivot. I'm going to use this as a pivot. How many civil wars has your leader successfully started and finished? Hmm. Not not many, no. How many times um, has your leader been time manipulated into being his greatest enemy? Uh, how, many, <laughs> how many other dimensions... Has your leader been in where he raises a son for several hundred or several years and then has it all snap back? How many times has Cap been raised by Batman? <laughs> That's true. That is a point. 
That is a point. Um, Would you say no, that he we, has when, he has had many crazy adventures as well. He has never raised a child, uh, unless you count Damien, because for a short while oh, he yeah, did. Oh, yeah, that's true. Was, and that is actually a really good point, was his team up with Damien. Was nobody's really been good, able. Yeah. It was nobody's been able to corral him the way Dick did during the I, lo- I even more so than I think Batman could. I think there was a mutual respect, um, yes. a much more entertaining book. Um, that book was great. I enjoyed that, and it actually uh, made me like Damien a little bit. And I have not, it, I've been, it, as you know, my problems with Damien's start and begin with how, how, uh, uh, I almost said Tim Jason Drake. Todd. Yeah, I almost said Tim Jason Drake. Todd. Tim Drake just be gets just thrown away like so much flotsam and jetsam because And of that's Damien. the saddest that like Damien's a wonderful character, but at the sacrifice of Tim was the biggest problem. Yeah. Who is also a great character and a yeah, and fantastic character. What also one of my all favorites. Good, also a fairly good leader right. of the Teen Titans, I might add. Yes. Yeah. So uh yeah, no, I mean I'm just I, I was I was kind of making this as a, a little bit of a joke here. I'm gonna give this a little bit of freebie. My character is oftentimes written in these situations with these moral dilemmas, and it feels like my character has to fight other good guys a whole hell of a lot more than your True. character does. Whether it True. be other Avengers, whether it be X Men whether it be, uh, you know, any number of things. I I would like to point out, however, there was a time when both Ben Grimm and the Invisible Woman were Avengers under Steve Rogers, and they chose to be Avengers rather than be under Reed. So already we say, okay, there's another notch above these other Yeah, I would definitely say, like, those he has led is probably much greater than what Dick Grayson has led. Um, I... I even think that in certain situations, Dick would probably bow to Superman or Batman um, or even Wonder Woman. I think he would be like with all of them that he, I think, but for me, when I think of the DC Trinity, he's like right there as, you know, first as Robin and then later as Dick Grayson. Uh, But I think his leadership is, incredibly invaluable compared to Superman or Batman. I really, I would argue he is the best DC leader. Well, I would, I would say the fact that you're like, he would bow to these guys talks a little bit about, um, that's a leadership quality. That is understanding that you may not, not having the ego, right? Exactly. And, uh, and I don't know. I, I sometimes, I think sometimes uh, Steve Rogers is played in a way that makes me think that there's a that's how to describe this. He sometimes, that he's the default leader. Yes. Uh, or that he sometimes just uh, he looks and says like <laughs> too many other fucking characters have baggage. And he looks at that baggage and says, well, that's that's a failure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes he he stands in front because he looks around and sees no greater person. Yeah. Right? Um, here's one. I don't for, think that for, comes from ego, egotism. However. No, no, I think no. That I think comes he just, from I think that literally comes the best from man for the job. Yeah. Those, and yeah. I think that's just because of writing like. They don't give him as much baggage because, I mean, mm-hmm. as we were talking a little bit about, like, does 
uh, does Cyclops being an asshole make him a more interesting character? I think some of the things that they've done to Steve Rogers that made him more of an asshole have made him less interesting. And mm. I think he's a better all-around character being that guy. Being a guy who's, you know... A, a goody two-shoes, Yeah, sort a bit of. of a Boy Scout. But, like, that's the thing, though. He's not completely a Boy Scout. No. He will pick up a fucking machine gun and shoot Nazis. He's mm-hmm. not like, oh, I won't kill. That kind of shit's boring for him. And it doesn't matter to me. I mean, he's a soldier. He will defend. It's- if what? it's in, if it's in the story, he will. Yeah. But I don't think he's never going to do it in cold blood. He's no. never going to do it for when he glory. doesn't. Ha- yeah, when he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to. One of my favorites is remember after nine eleven, there were a lot of special comic books that came out. Yeah, yeah. And one of my favorites was this one that shows Steve Rogers at Ground Zero just moving brick, mm-hmm. just being a part of the cleanup, moving brick. Not in his uniform necessarily. It just shows Steve Rogers like, you know, and it it was this great thing of Captain America bowing to the first responders as greater heroes than he. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and I always loved they, that book. They did that with Superman. They did that with Batman. Yeah. They did it with a, almost every character. And it's harder to do that with especially, I would say, Superman because in the real world, Superman yeah. would have saved that day. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember thinking about that. I mean, that's one of the things like, I always tell people is when I watch that happen live, all I could think of was, won't Superman, won't the hero of this movie stop things? Yeah. And then that was the, that's like one of the most tragic things about those of us who live in these, uh, in these, you know, uh, in these comic book pages is, you know, there's not that happening. I And I think that was, yeah, I, I just mean... I'm just. I know. I know. My point there was about about ego. I guess. Yeah. Um, Um, I would say when it comes to when it when it comes to having a team, I I, you know it's like I I I think overall I'm going to have to give you the cap win Um, because I could also see that. Here's here's my biggest argument for you is. In the Justice League Avengers crossover that came out, Batman and Superman follow Cap's lead in that book. And I don't see how you have an entire universe of a crossover where one man is literally the... At one point, Superman holds Captain America's shield and Thor's hammer, and it's one of the coolest moments in comic book history. But... yeah. They still are following Cap's lead as a leader on the field. Here's what I will say that's going to be my caveat to you. Steve Rogers is written to be a leader. Even when he's solo, he always has somebody around him. There's always a team around him, even in his solo career. There's always a Falcon. There's always an Agent Carter. There's always S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. There's Mm. always people that he pick up in his missions that are helping him out or whatever like that. He always has a team. He's never alone because he's written to be a leader. Your guy was written to be a sidekick, and he progresses to become a leader. And I think that is a very, very cool thing. Now, I'm going to take this win because I'm a fucking asshole. But <laughs> no, that's what makes I, me interesting. But I also I I think because he is specifically almost from the sixties on. Yeah, and I think there were leadership things, and but it was like once they brought him on the on the scene in the sixties, 
nobody else is considered the leader the way Cap is. And and he's written consistently. I mean, the things we talked about in that first little bit, the moral compass, right? That's mm -hmm. what that's why he's the great uh, leader of the book is because that team won't do shady things. Oh, I had a a point I was going to bring up earlier Uh and I totally got off track. You were talking about, you know, being around others and feeling like he was the only leader. Uh, There is and I believe it was in Captain Marvel number one where Mm -hmm. she finally takes the name. Yeah, Uh, there's a wonderful I don't know. Did you read it with uh, Kelly Sudakonic? I, I think so I can't a while ago, yeah. yeah. Um, but where basically Cap's the one that says, you yeah, know, you you're should, no longer Ms. Marvel. You need you to be a captain. You need to yeah. take it, yeah, absolutely. And it's a great moment. Yeah, and, you know, it's like he's putting a leadership role onto her. He's now, saying, yeah. He's saying, knighting her almost. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And that was, uh, so if I remember correctly, that's after she gets the blood transfusion from him, right? I think so, yeah. Because she was Ms. Marvel. Yeah, no, she was. She gets horribly hurt in the New Avengers era, the uh, the Bendis era. Yeah. New Avengers. It was at, It's in the wake of Civil War. Blah blah blah. I can't remember what happens. They get ambushed or something, and Carol gets wounded somehow and is losing blood. And in the end of one comic, they sort of you know are rushing her to the hospital or whatever. And then in the next comic book, they basically make reference to Steve gave blood, was the blood donor that they gave for her or whatever like that. Okay. And so she oh. jokes about having uh, Marvel's powers in Captain America's blood. Captain. Oh, and there's I, yeah, this, I, there's this point, and I and I always remember, I I always felt like that's a turn where Brian Michael Bendis was like, I'm I want to elevate this person higher than she is. And I think that's the start. I think I think there's a directive at some point where Carol Danvers really starts to get looked at and people start saying, you know what? She's got this power set that we could make really powerful. And it's about time we made Carol Danvers just as powerful as this power set. And I think that's that start of that. Well, and then the name Captain Marvel in in the Marvel universe has been handed down. And, you know, at one yeah. point, even Rick Jones was Captain Marvel at one point. Right. Um that that unfortunately i it had kind of lost its luster right before carol got it and i think honestly it's like i think it's found its new home and it's not leaving i yeah. think she I is like, forever captain marvel and i love that what do they it call fits. what do they call 80s captain marvel uh rambo marvel oh oh she's now a photon photon right yeah i mean she was captain marvel she was Captain Marvel when for she a time. Led, when she led the Avengers, she was Captain Marvel. She was a leader at that time? Yeah. I didn't realize she was the leader. Yeah, she was the leader. Yeah. Um, it, But that's, I mean, that's a weird time, too. So, <laughs> you know yeah, what I Gilgamesh. mean? Yeah, Gilgamesh. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Gilgamesh. Dr. Druid. I, lo- I mean, there's some. Dr. Druid. Uh, Dr. Druid, I think, becomes evil, if I'm not mistaken, right? I, I think he, I yeah. don't know. You, I think he betrays the Avengers and they kill him, and it's because he's like one of the fucking most hated characters. If you think of Charles uh, from Mash, you know Winchester <laughs> the Third. Yes, yes. He, not only yeah. does he look like Charles Winchester the Third, he acts like Charles Winchester the Third in most of the run that he's in of the Avengers. And you can't wait to see that guy get his comeuppance. He's such a Do you a remember much about Gilgamesh? I don't remember. Other than his look, I couldn't tell you thing one about Gilgamesh. So Gilgamesh, I believe, is supposed to be an Eternal, right? Because he know. is he know. is the hero Gilgamesh of old. He's an immortal okay. monster hunter. Well, he, 
he had like a head piece that looked like a buffalo. Yeah, like he's like but it he wasn't looks like Native a, American. No, it was, no, because he's Sumerian. Like he's a he's oh, literally like from the Crescent. Gilgamesh is a monster hunting. But mythos. he looked blonde and blue eyed. <laughs> well, hey, that's white people. I mean, but yeah. yeah, if I remember correctly, Gilgamesh is the Gilgamesh of old. He's okay. gone by many a name throughout his. Uh, but he's supposed to be the Sumerian. Well, story. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying I'm sorry. I'm saying Sumerian. Is that right? Or am I? Getting I don't that? know. Like, I, as well, in get... Sumeria, as in the dead language, as in in the fertile question, okay. not as in Conan, the Crimean. That's what I want to no. make sure that we're not getting. Mishmash. No, no, I didn't think that. But I, I get Gilgamesh and the other uh, hero of old that was made into a Hercules? live action. No, um, European. Uh, Hercules is European. Uh, they made that uh, CG movie out of. I can't think of it. Oh, Beowulf. 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 Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I get, no, I, get no, no. I get those two mixed up quite often. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gilgamesh, the Forgotten One, Hero of Sumer, Lost Eternal, uh, Beloved of Muses, Dragon Slayer, Forgotten Nemesis, The Beast of Legend, uh, King Gilgamesh, Ogirio in Portuguese. These are all aliases known to Gilgamesh 616. Huh. Yeah. You have, uh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I remember when he Did came. Did you just back end and, that with six one six? As in that's that's what he's all known in the Marvel six one six. Yeah, in the Marvel six one six. I didn't realize he's been around that long in the six ones. I just thought he made a blip of an appearance in Avengers. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, that's the thing is. Uh, so when he was in, welcome to Gilgamesh talk. <laughs> yeah, into Gilgamesh talk. So when he returns in the mid eighties and goes by the name of uh, Gilgamesh. He, he basically, the forgotten one is sort of his mm-hmm. eternal name. He's just this guy, this hero. And, and honestly, the Hercules of, of Marvel legend is probably Gilgamesh, not Hercules the god uh, of, of the Marvel I get universe. You. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, he says in, um, uh, he he says in his um in his meeting of the Avengers back then of all these different names he's gone by, and then he chooses Gilgamesh as the one they can call him, which is his first. But he calls okay. himself also the Forgotten One. Um, it looks like they've also and I'm looking at the Marvel database. I'm not fucking. I'm not smart enough to. Do no, that. no, I know you are. I can... But they look like they've given Gilgamesh a pretty dope ass suit of late. So. Holy crap, that yeah. is awesome. It's uh, he looks looking. like something Kirby would have created in that picture. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So that that's Gilgamesh. Um, but he was also sort of dumb and forgettable. You know. Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, I I actually thought it was a cool looking costume, but didn't make sense with the name because it was so bright and. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was yeah. It's just during that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I like this. At one point, as a joke, they had Gilgamesh and Hercules uh, as roommates together in New York. As a matter of fact, there's a. Uh, there's an entry in the Marvel database where it says crashing at Hercules's where he's just <laughs> like, he's, you know, on the couch of Hercules. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but he's, uh, he's definitely, uh, an, an eternal, uh, is where he's from. And he's like, I, I almost feel like he's like the century. They just decided to give a 
like put a backstory on somebody that's new. I don't know if that was his first appearance or not, but whatever. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I won. Good yes, to know. yes, you won. All right. I won because it was written. Yes. All I should have just said, he's the best leader because he's written to be that way. Yeah. And no matter what argument you'll say, I'll just say, no problem. We'll just write him better next time. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll be fine. Um, <sighs> but because I won, that means that as the loser, uh, and, and again, I will say this, Dick Grayson is absolutely one of my most favorite beloved comic book characters i think the arc of dick grayson from sidekick to leader is absolutely one of the better threads you can follow in all of comics it is a great hero's journey of uh of someone who um is uh hurt very deeply doesn't let that consume him like his mentor learns from the best learns from the best's antagonist kind of superman mm-hmm. you know sees both sides of the coin uh-huh. chooses I'm- the light and and chooses to be uh, a more sociable uh team oriented person than a loner spook in the night and i think and that's a great arc and, and not to derail us totally but sometimes i often wonder like chicken and egg situation when Dick Grayson has been written, at least in recent years, he's always been spry and bouncy and quick-witted. Um, when Spider-Man came out, I see a lot of similarities personality-wise mm-hmm. when they're in battle. I don't. I would love to know which came first, because I don't know if they started making Dick Grayson more that way after Spider-Man, or were they making Spider-Man more like Dick Grayson? Well, remember that in the 60s, Batman and uh, Robin were still very much Batman 66. It was very much camp. It was very much different. I don't think it was as funny. Like, I don't think he was as quick-witted. I would I think lean more a lot more of Spider-Man a, came first. Yeah, and I think that's a catch fire. And but I think that's also a good personality trait. I think you take the the evolution of holy blah blah blah, and you can see a line straight into quick witted and being yeah. funnier. I think the bright costume leads it to be funnier too. It leads yeah. you to be the comic relief, but comic relief in a non nonsensical way, not in the mm-hmm. al- the bumbling Alfred comic relief. No, the the sort of yeah. I think Spider-Man comes from, uh, I don't even think Spider-Man was as funny at the very start. I think it takes no. a writer to be very funny and to start getting it. But I do like how they both talk during the, I mean, their battles mm-hmm. are very that, much that's... talkity. That's why he doesn't want to be, by the way, that's also why he doesn't want to be Batman. Because Batman's a brand and you'd have to change everything about how he does things and to bad, be Batman. Yeah. You can't have a Batman that's making quips and talking throughout the entire fight. And that's fight. why I liked when he was in out when Batman's outfit and running around and being still Dick Grayson, which was you know yeah. he was he's leaner, he's bouncier, he's more agile, and he's quick witted. And, and he has a flying car. And why did the flying car not keep on going? Right? Yeah. The yeah. Batmobile was so fucking dope. It was too Batman Beyond-ish, I suppose. Yeah, I but. guess. But okay, right. so, so you, you got the lo- win. You lose. That means you have to uh, say the thing that we've been saying since the beginning, since episode one. Um, it 1924, we started this podcast. <laughs> a few short, short uh, years later, um, this uh, catchphrase started. Uh, people have printed it on their petticoats. Um, <laughs> of course... Um, was painted on the sides of uh, B-24 bombers during World War II. Um, it was the last thing that child that Rob and I buried 
four years ago said. Rob, what is that? What's that catchphrase? You say it uh, on the show. There's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Nice.